The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are talking should you bet your team, Packers and Badgers, volume four. We'll get into that. And then we'll also talk about the Brewers' brutal Thursday night. Um, And then we will get into some free talk, just stuff that's on my mind. Kind of want to talk about the tour reaction. Um, I know that we don't really do national stuff, but felt it was extremely overblown. So I will uh, talk about that at the tail end. And who knows if I have anything else on my mind uh, going into the weekend. First weekend in October, which is exciting. October, great month. Uh, You have so much going on. And it's more the reason why you follow Tapping the Keg on Twitter, why you follow Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Drop a follow. We love to see it. Uh, also, make sure that you're rating and reviewing as well as subscribing. If you're new to the program, you found us somehow. Uh, really appreciate it. Best month that we've had since February. So really good to see that. Um, really good to see sort of everything crank up. Um, we'll continue to deliver. Um, this week actually was a little rougher than others, probably due to the fact that I've been getting podcasts out late. Um, so this will be the last day for a while. I am working on a schedule, figuring out what makes the most sense. And I think that we'll have everything to you. And I think we're going to keep it moving throughout the year. And it's really good. And hopefully we can kind of beat our COVID number. Like we had the most lessons we had was in the COVID year. And then we sagged a little bit last year. Um, So if we could beat that COVID number, um, which isn't out of this realm, we'd have to do some numbers in the last few months, but it's, it's possible. It's there. So make sure you keep supporting, make sure you're sharing it out. Um, make sure that we, everybody knows what, what we have going on. Um, we'll be back in action with Mitch next week and maybe another podcast too. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the betting lines for the teams that we root for this weekend. Packers first, and then we'll get into the Badgers, maybe a little bit of NFL and college football as well weaved in there. Well, I guess wove would be the, the proper term. I know grammar, I promise you. All right, the Green Bay Packers are a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, they The over-under is 40 against the New England Patriots. That is a juicy line. I believe that line is due to the fact that the Green Bay Packers will likely be facing Brian Hoyer. Uh, I don't think that this has anything to do with Mac Jones potentially playing. I know that there are some rumors about that. I believe that to be smoke and mirrors. I don't really trust the fact that Mac Jones will be playing in this game. I think the fact of the matter is, is you're going to see Brian Hoyer. And that spreads right for a Brian Hoyer performance and against a very good Green Bay Packer defense, a defense that gets after the football, a defense that has a guy like Rashawn Gary, who is right there with Micah Parsons when it comes to getting to the quarterback. I think that you are going to see a lot from this defense. Someone said it's been too long since we've had a Rasul pick six. I think that's on the table. I think there's a lot of things to like about this Packer defense. So, And they're going to be a popular play if you do daily fantasy. Um, if, you, if somehow they're not picked up in your league in fantasy, the Packers were probably a top waiver priority for people looking at defense. They're going to have their day in the sun. So how do we take advantage of that from a gambling perspective? Well, the line's nine and a half. It's a little high. I'm not going to lie. Um, I would have probably preferred it at eight or eight and a half. But nine, if it gets down to nine, that would be ideal. Like if there's some money that comes in on the Patriots and settles around nine, eight and a half, I think that's really good. I, I think that that sort of is perfect because 
I think the Packers can easily win this game by two scores. Uh, again, uh, if you look at Brian Hoyer's last few starts, they haven't been good. And it's not like he's came close. It's not like this is Cooper Rush we're talking about here. We're talking about Brian Hoyer. And I just don't think that Brian Hoyer has what it takes to sort of beat, deliver the goods for the New England Patriots. And I also don't think they have the offensive skill set to really make it happen. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is good, and I know that the Packers had one bad day in terms of a run defense. So if they have that bad day again, if those issues against Chicago come back to life, yes, the Patriots could keep it close and they could cover this spread. But I, I just trust that the Packers' offense is going to continually get better. Again, I think turnovers are a big part of why I would lay that nine and feel comfortable about it. Like I, I just think that the Packers are are the better team. I think that they're a team you can leverage, whether it be in parlays, whether it be in teases. I think they're a go-to bet this week. Survivor, if you're still in a survivor somehow, uh, the Packers to me are one you should fire on this weekend. Like I, I think this actually is probably the best case for the Packers. Maybe the Jets in a couple of weeks, you could argue. But I do think this might even be a better opportunity because I just do not think the Patriots have the talent to compete with the Packers for four quarters. They might have it for a quarter or for two quarters, but I just think as the game goes on, the Packers should be able to pull away or have a quarter similar to what they did against the Chicago Bears where they just went absolutely bananas. I think there is a opportunity to do that against this Patriots team. I just, I don't, again, I, it's only Ramondre Stevenson. If Ramondre Stevenson goes off, Damian Harris goes off, like then, yeah, maybe this game's a little closer. Green Bay has a turnover or two. That, those are the only ways that this thing stays close. I, I really feel good about this one. I think the Packers are going to win going away. Um, and if Mac Jones does decide to play and they're like, Mac Jones is going to be active, I think that line get, goes down probably, probably two points. It probably gets to like seven and a half or seven, which would be fucking perfect. Because if that's the case, so let's just talk about that real quick. So if, it, if Mac Jones does somehow miraculously play with a high ankle sprain, pound the Packers. Like, I, I feel good about the Packers right now with Brian Hoyer. I feel great about Mac Jones. And, that, and that's not taken away from Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones can be all right. But uh, playing with a high ankle sprain, I know his he's persona non grata. We don't really talk about him. But just the football player, Brett Favre, like, Mac Jones ain't Brett Favre, okay? Like, playing with a high ankle sprain is hard. That is not easy. And you're facing a pass rush that is nasty, that is mean, that gets the quarterback. Like, that to me spells all-time disaster for Mac Jones. And I think that could be a real, real issue. Like, I, I just, I think that could go so halfway to sideways. Like, I, I know it will be bet down. I know people will be jumping all over the Patriots. They might even reset the line, honestly, um, because I think the line is right now built for Brian Hoyer. And if that happens, yeah, I think the Packers even become more of a parlay team, more of a tease team. And a bet that you need to make, and probably you know multiple units on that on that bet. And usually when I'm this confident, it doesn't work out for the Packers. Like last week, I you know I think we're I think we're three and one this year so far, or two and one so far this year with uh, advice. I think I also gave out the under, so that was good. I think I gave out a under Packer tease in week two. I should really do a better job of tracking this, 
But yeah, I've, I've been pretty sharp on the Packers. The Vikings one did not work out. I should have known week one. I think week one is an auto non-bet uh, going forward with the with the Green Bay Packers. I just think you can't. I just don't think you can make the make any sort of wager on Green Bay week one. You want to. You want to be excited about week one for the Packers, but I think the Packers have told us otherwise. And then we'll all stay away next year, and then they'll win by like fucking 14 because that's just how, how it works, right? As for the over-under at 40, uh, so here's it's interesting. Green Bay has stayed under that number in three games so far. You know, the Patriots had two games where it stayed under that number, and then one that just absolutely blew by. Uh, the Ravens scored 37 points. Patriots scored 26. Now, this is these are two good defenses. This is Brian Hoyer. Um, I might look at like a team total. Like I, I would imagine you can get the Patriots team total right now at like ten. Ah, no, that, I don't. I don't really like that. Throw that out. I forty forty's fucking low, man. Like that's that's not a lot of points, right? If you think about it, it's you know four. If you get if you get four touchdowns, that's twenty eight. Like fourteen, fourteen. So that's twenty eight. And yeah, I mean that's two touchdowns a team or three touchdowns a team. You're you're over that number. I mean, I just I I think there there's not enough there for me to like that number. I think forty seems too low. Um, I think if it was like 42, 43, I think that that maybe elicits an under, but at 40, that just, ah, that's that's really low for a game where the weather conditions are going to be perfect, where turnovers could be plentiful for Green Bay. I, I would not touch that. If you wanted to do something with the under, what I would do is similar to lat two weeks ago, I would take the Packers down to three and a half or three. I would take that number down to three. So a six and a half point tease. So if you do that, you take that down to three and then you also bump up that under to 47. Uh, so that that's pretty good, right? You get three and 47. That that's You're kind of talking my language there. Packers win by three. They have to score less than 47 points. I think that sounds awesome. Like, and I think you'll get about even odds on that. Like that to me sounds like a good way to bet the Packers if you want to do something a little bit different. If the nine scares you for some reason or the under the under number you want, you like it, but you don't really like it and you want to pair it together and maybe double up your money, like that to me is a area of opportunity as well. So I also, if you have, if there are some like decent odds, like if you're looking at props, I would look at, you know, Brian Hoyer to throw an interception. I think if that's like minus 140, it wouldn't be a bad prop to take. Um, I'd also be weary on like Romeo Dobbs over-unders. Um, just don't overreact to one week. I'd be careful on that. The middle of the field has been wide open against Patriots. I think whatever Tanyan's number sits at, I think you could look at that. Maybe a Tanyan anytime touchdown as well, which probably probably in the 200s or 300s. Um, they don't usually have props out this early. Um, so like those are things that I would kind of pay attention to. I don't go against the Packers when it comes to props. So don't even get that. Go there with me. I rarely, I, every now and again, if it's a prime, I should say that. Every now and again, if it's a primetime game, I might throw another team for an anytime because I'm just, you know, I'm like, Packers aren't going to shut anybody out. Like maybe, maybe it's, you know, one touchdown, two touchdowns. I hope they're not kicking our ass, but I'm going to be realistic. If somebody can get in the end zone and I can make a little scroll on that, like I'm not going to, not going to hate that. Right. So officially, here's what I would do uh, if I were betting the Packers, I would take 
the nine. Um, let's just call it nine. I'll buy the point down. And then we'll take the T's uh, for the net, the three and the 47. So th those are my two. Um, I will lock those in. Um, so if Mac Jones does come back and it's seven, that's, it is what it is. We'll, we'll keep it at nine and we'll check in on records. I'll do, a, I'll do a better job of tracking this thing. As for other NFL games, before we move on to the Badgers, it's a, it's a fun weekend. I really like this weekend. Um, I think it's set up. I know there's a lot of consternation about, oh, we, we don't have the Bills and Ravens at 325. And it's like, yeah, but the Patriots and Packers are two very public teams. We went over this. So we'll all hopefully get the Patriots and, or I'm sorry, the Ravens and the Bills in the early slate. I haven't checked 506. I hope that's the case. I don't think there's anything that would conflict with that if you're a fan in Wisconsin. No, there shouldn't be. Um, we're either going to get Bears, Giants, or Seahawks, Lions likely as the Fox game, which get ready for either of those. I'm sure you, you're excited for either of those. But if we're looking lines quickly, I love the Jaguars plus six and a half. I want to take the money line, but that's too many points. I know the Eagles are playing well, but you have the Doug Peterson revenge game. You have, there's just a lot there to like. I don't think the Colts also should be favored. They're three and a half. Um, I, that to me is a good good bet on the Titans. Um, I know the Titans haven't been that good. Those games are always close. Um, I could easily see it Indy by three. Um, I, I definitely like them in that situation. Dallas only being a three-point favor against Washington feels kind of weird to me. Dallas has played really well the last two weeks. Um, they have an awesome pass rush. Carson Wentz just got sacked seven, nine times. I don't necessarily know what we're missing there. Um, I love how how some of these lines, man, are just, they're ready to go. Uh, the Browns and Falcons right now, the line is one, and that's perfect because I think the Falcons are actually not bad. I told you guys that earlier this week, and so I kind of like the Falcons there. Um, let's see, looking through Buffalo at three, at in in. Baltimore. I always, I'm always scared of betting Balt against Baltimore at Baltimore because that Baltimore just has a very good home field advantage. But kind of, kind of like Buffalo in that spot. I, I know I, they've had a week to rest. Uh, the Ravens' defense is not good, uh, so I, I like Buffalo there. I think that's that's a good spot. Uh, let's see other ones. Carolina only being favored by one. Uh, McCaffrey's injury, so maybe just wait on that. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, even money right now in Tampa. I know there's going to be a, some emotion in that one, but I, I have to like the Chiefs. And then on Monday night, the Rams being a one-and-a-half-point dog to San Francisco uh, feels rough. But the San Francisco, the only the only thing there is San Francisco needs that game. If San Francisco loses that one, they go to one and three. But no Trent Williams. Jimmy G looked rough last week. I know the Rams have not been exactly – the beacon of success so far, but yeah, I don't know. That seems a little off to me. So yeah, it's an interesting week uh, so far, you know, from that perspective. All right, let's move on to college football and talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. Usually there is this commentary about fading the public. All right. Everybody talks about fading the public. Um, you know, if everybody loves something, you know, usually you go the other way. It was actually kind of weird because if you look at the money, um, it was kind of split last night between Dolphins and Bengals. But it seemed like so many people really liked the Bengals, uh, who I, you know, 
kind of confer with during during the day and I was like oh they all everyone seems to like the Bengals so it might have been something to go go the other way if you wanted to but one of those things that doesn't get talked about enough is the public pub the public underdog when everyone everyone likes this team everyone's like okay I'm taking that plus the points and you know maybe even a money line situation like I love this team I think that's what's happening with Illinois I don't have the dollar signs to show. Actually, I thought uh, cover, cover three, which I've started to really like. Their locks pod, Bud Elliott, did a really good job about talking about how public money is kind of bullshit. That you really shouldn't look at public money because you don't know who's who's doing it and when and everything like that. But it seems like everybody loves Illinois this week. It seems like everybody is jumping on Illinois um, because they watch the Badgers on primetime get blown out by Ohio State. Illinois' defense has been nasty so far, um, and it's Brett Bielema's return to Madison. So all those things combined, everybody is all over Illinois, plus the seven. Some people think it's a money line play. To me, that looks kind of squarish. It smells like Rutgers. You don't want to smell like New Jersey, okay? But everybody was on Rutgers last week. Everybody talked about how Rutgers was going to beat Iowa. And that Rutgers, you know, Iowa is this bad, deep, bad offense and no way could they cover eight points and yada, yada, yada. And Iowa kicked the shit out of Rutgers. Enter in Illinois. How different is Illinois from Rutgers? Illinois has not really played anybody. They've played Virginia. They played Wyoming. So they, they have played better teams than a division or FCS team in, in Chattanooga. But Wyoming doesn't necessarily aren't the beacon of offense. Uh, Virginia offense has been brutal so far. Again, FCS you could throw out. And the one Big Ten team they played was Indiana, and they lost 23 to 20. Now, the, there was some chicanery from the refs, but they gave up 23 points to a pretty standard, average Indiana offense. And now enter Wisconsin. And what Illinois wants to do is run the football. Chase Brown, very talented running back. Wisconsin's pretty good at stopping the run. Um, their issues have been through the past. I realize that uh, Ohio State did dump truck them for over 200 yards last week. But again, I think Ohio State's going to dump truck a lot of teams for over 100 yards. Illinois can't protect the quarterback. That seems like a big issue when you're facing Nick Herbig. It seems like Nick Herbig could have three or four sacks in this game and could basically game change this game entirely. And if you force Illinois into obvious passing downs, I think you're you're going to succeed. So, and then on top of that, the Badger offense, you know, they they were cooking against, you know, New Mexico State, Illinois State, didn't cook against Washington State. I know this Illinois defense is good, but are we sure they're good because of the teams they've played and the offenses that they've faced so far? And that this is kind of smoke and mirrors. And Brett Bielema is a guy who I know wants this. But it, if you really think about the return to Madison. It's not like Brett Bielema was ousted. Brett Bielema left in the night to go to Arkansas. Didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell Barry Alvarez. And none of these guys were affected. Jim Leonard, I think, was gone by then. Um, I'd have to fact check that. But I'm pretty sure Leonard Leonard had already left at that point. It was in the NFL. So no one really has. I mean, maybe Paul Christ a little bit. But also, the other part of this, Paul Christ knows Brett Bielema's defense. Paul Chris was Brett Bielema's offensive coordinator. You could argue Brett Bielema the same thing. And so I look at this game. I First of all, the under at 43 and a half, like that's 
to me, that's too high. Like, I, I think this is going to be 17 14. Uh, this could be 20 to 14. Could be 20 to 3. Like, I, I just don't see this necessarily being a, a high scoring game. I'd be shocked. The only way it is, I think, if there are turnovers. But I look at this as A, the Badgers have to get off the map, right? You know, Ohio State game, they got embarrassed. You know, there is going to be a little piss in their Cheerios, or there should be. If there isn't, I mean, that's a huge red flag. And they're 0-2 in the Big Ten, they're 2-3. and And I know I said in the review the day of that, oh, be careful of Illinois. But it seems like everybody's ready to just pencil on Illinois winning this game. And I think it's predicated off what we've seen out of Wisconsin for the first four weeks and not really kind of drilling down. So I like, I like this as a fade to public play. I like the under a lot more, um, and we'll roll with that. Our Badger record has not been as solid. Um, I don't know if I've won a Badger bet yet this year. <laughs> so that so you could look at this and say, well, Charlie, maybe we, maybe we don't trust you. Because uh, I, yeah, I think I've been off for all of them uh, that we've done. So that's, that's a problem. But anyways, uh, I... <laughs> I, I like the under a little more than I like badge minus seven, but I like the under badge minus seven. I would not recommend doing these two teams in a tease, although it, it seems nice, right? You could do a seven-point tease, take the Badgers down to even, and take it up to 50. Uh, it, it makes sense, but I wouldn't trust it. I just College football is a little little more risky. Um, it's, not, it's not as legit as I think some of the NFL stuff, but yeah, I... I just think this is a situation where everyone feels like, let me tell you about my Illinois Moneyline parlay. And that just, that that usually doesn't work out. Also, they haven't won here since 2002. You could say that's fake stat. You could say that's not real. But I, I, I do think that there is some sort of ownership of like Camp Randall and the Badgers have done well against those teams where they kind of have ownership at home and feel comfortable there. So I think Badgers get back, um, and as long as they don't turn the ball over, I think they have a chance to succeed. But yeah, I would not, I would not put the Badgers in any sort of parlay. I wouldn't put them in any sort of tease. Um, just keep the Badgers. Take the seven if you need to. I think forty-three and a half makes a lot more sense as the under than uh, than the minus seven. Uh, the minus seven to me does not seem like a one of those bets you make, like that to me is one of those where it's on your card, but then it's like, oh, it falls off because there's other things are prioritized. But we'll we'll mark it here for the podcast because that's what I that's what I do for the people. It's how it's how I do it. So we're taking a look at the rest of college football. Uh, I actually I like the slate. Um, I I don't know. I, I it's hard to complain about slates. Honestly, everyone's like, oh, rough slate. This that and the other. It's like, ah, fuck off. Like I. I just, I think you have to enjoy it every week. Uh, Big Cat from Barstool talks all the time about you got to enjoy the sandwich. You have to enjoy like that. It's you're you've basically ate a quarter of the sandwich so far of football. Like enjoy every week of the sandwich. First of all, we have five games Friday night. That's awesome. Uh, I won't be watching a lot of those. Definitely probably watching UCLA at night and New Mexico UNLV. Um, because at that point, my wife will be in bed. Um, I will probably stay up to watch Washington UCLA. I actually like Washington as a home, as a road favorite at two and a half. Washington's good. Washington's a good football team. Like, how do you talk to your kids about a successful Washington Husky team? But then on, sat- on Saturday, uh, we'll kick off with Michigan, Iowa. 
Iowa has done very well against top five teams that come into Kinnick. Ten and a half points for Michigan seems way too high. Uh, Old Miss now at seven against Kentucky. So this is a really interesting game. So everyone's like, oh, this is another situation where it's a tra- it looks like a trap. It's like it just spe- screams trap, right? Because Mississippi at seven. So Kentucky has been so good as an underdog. Kentucky has been one of the best underdog teams under Mark Stoops, number one. This game likely will go under. Uh, there's a lot of stats that you know gear towards an under between Kentucky and Mississippi. So if it's going to be under, and Kentucky is a good underdog team, I understand that there is a public pup perception with Kentucky, and that could contradict what I said earlier about Illinois, but there are just a lot of factors that lean me towards Kentucky. I love Oklahoma. I think that's another situation. That's what, what see, like it, every game is different. Like that's more like the Illinois side where everyone's like, oh, TCU, TCU. It's like Oklahoma's own TCU, dude. Like they have, they've played really well. I doubt Oklahoma is not going to come to play in two straight weeks. Like Oklahoma could still work their way back into the playoff conversation if they win out, you know, they know that. So I'm not surprised there. Uh, let's see other things. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, like that as a letdown spot for Kansas State. You could argue it's a letdown spot for Texas Tech. You know, they just beat Texas. That, that's kind of a, a quote-unquote letdown bowl. Uh, service game unders. I don't know if you're familiar with that. If you follow Tom Fernelli, you are. 38 um, service, service game unders. Navy Air Force, they always usually go under. Um, so 38, I think, is a, a great play there. Uh, there's a lot of data, too, on the fact that Alabama has been really bad on the road. Um, and they're a 17-point favorite at Arkansas. I realize Arkansas cannot stop a pass. Um, but I, 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 I like those, that trend. I like Arkansas in that scenario. I don't have a feel on Oklahoma State Baylor. I'll be honest. Uh, Baylor two and a half at home. Uh, I I don't have don't have a feel there. Uh, I like Wake uh, plus six and a half against Florida State. Uh, while I think Florida State can win that game, I just I think uh, I guess the only the only thing if I'm baiting myself, the only thing that worries me with Wake is the fact that they a the slow read against the fast defense like Florida State, and the fact they just played a overtime thriller. And maybe they're still thinking about that. Now they have to go to Florida State. It's going to be humid uh, post-hurricane. So there's that. Kansas being a three-point dog at home to Iowa State feels feels bad. Kansas State disrespected because they weren't ranked. Give me Kansas there. That's a, that's a good one. That will definitely find its way into an underdog parlay as well. Shout out Bill Simmons. But seriously, I think we all. Maryland being an eight-point favorite it seems like an overreaction to Michigan State I think Minnesota's good I know Michigan State's not good but I don't think Maryland's eight points better than than Michigan State Virginia Tech North Carolina you can pay me to figure out how to handicap that one uh, I think that's a very hard one North Carolina nine point favorite what other things stand out oh LSU uh minus eight at Auburn I know that seems high Auburn's terrible <laughs> just take LSU uh, I think LSU is not bad. Brian Kelly has kind of righted that ship. Um, kind of, you know, once you start winning, no one gives a fuck who you are, honestly. Um, that's, it really could be said for a lot of things in life. Clemson, um, seven point favorite against NC State. I like NC State. It's a huge game for NC State. Clemson also coming off that, that big win against Wake Forest. 
Uh, Clemson also struggles against the pass. Devin Larry, I know there could be some hurricane stuff. And if there are, maybe this is a 10-3 game. And so maybe Clemson covers. But I'm going to take NC State. West Virginia is interesting against Texas just because how Texas, you know, had closed door meetings. That was this whole big thing. Losing to Texas Tech, you're two and two. I don't know. Could seems like it could be close. Uh, let's see if there's anything else. Oregon minus 17 against Stanford. And last game of the night, 10 o'clock. Uh, love that. Love, 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 love that. Because I think Stanford's really bad. So I I they have Vegas has not caught up yet on that. Um, so those are those are ones I like. Um, and, yeah, good luck this weekend. Hopefully you guys enjoy a nice day of college football, a nice day of NFL, um, you know, in between, I'm sure, tasks as you go on. It's very rare that I think as you get older, can you enjoy a full weekend of football without doing something around the house. Um, so I wish you luck if you, if you are able to do that. If you are, that's great. Um, I, I mean, I have two weeks where my wife leaves for weekends. Now, Grant, I love projects, but very much looking forward to those. Uh, it's like, that's paradise for me in, in the month of October. You know what isn't paradise in October? Your baseball team just puking on their shoes. So the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, they had a chance, man. Uh, they, Phillies lose. Uh, the Brewers then go into a tie for the wild card spot. All the Milwaukee Brewers need to do is win. They win that game. They're a half game up on the Phillies. The pressure then shifts more to Philadelphia, right? Then all of a sudden it becomes Philadelphia has to win. Brewers are up 2-0. They get up early. They have multiple opportunities to add runs throughout the game, right? It, it easily could have been 4-0. It easily could have been 6-0. Um, the Brewers just did not take advantage of opportunities that were presented to them. I think they had the bases loaded maybe in two innings. It definitely had it in one, and they didn't take advantage of it, which is terrible. And you, you just can't have. And why can't you have it? Because if you let a team hang around, even a bad offense can sometimes run into one. And Avisel Garcia, former Brewer, ran into one, a grand slam with two strikes, two outs. Uh, KFC of Barstool Sports, big Mets fan, had a thing the day before where he's like, would you rather see a two-strike, two-out home run or goddamn die? And I would rather goddamn die. Like, that is awful. Like, the fact that if Freddie Peralta gets one more fucking strike, we have Devin Williams in the ninth, and there we go. But instead, Freddie gives up the home run. Now, everyone's going to be ready to blame Freddie Peralta. I'm not. I'm not going to. Um, I, or Craig Council, I guess, would be it would more be Craig Council than Freddie Peralta. Here's the thing. I have no problem pitching Freddie, Okay. This is playoff baseball. This is what you do in the playoffs. You play guys out of position. Taylor Rogers has been trash. Matt Bush has been trash. I don't think you trust trash pitchers in these situations. It was a close game. I think Freddie was the right call there. I think Brad Boxberger has not been trustworthy where I could say, yeah, you should put Brad Boxberger in there. Um, no, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way about Brett Suter. I really don't trust this bullpen. I think this bullpen has been bad. I think we have to have a conversation about Chris Hook, but we'll have that later on when we debrief on the Milwaukee Brewers because I just think Chris Hook has not done a good job. And and this is part of it. And it's how you don't have trustworthy bullpen guys. And Freddie Peralta, I have no problem with that move, okay? I would have done that move if I was Craig Council. 
Uh, Freddie, I guess, won't be starting this week. Or if he is starting, it's maybe two innings, three innings, and they're just going to do a bullpen game, which is fine. I mean, if that's how Craig's going to manage it, that's what he does, you know, in October. Like, that's very much a Craig Council move for an October baseball game. And this was exactly it. It was a playoff game. And again, one fucking pitch. But part of it is the fact the Brewers didn't take advantage of the, Mar- the Marlins pitching staff. And now you have to face Sandy Alcantara, who's potentially the Cy Young tonight. Now you have Corbin Burns on the other side of that, which is great. But it's not going to be easy against Sandy. Now Sandy hasn't been as good, uh, you know, down the stretch. Has not been this, you know, awesome year all in all. I mean, Sandy's a, a horse. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I'm honestly jealous of those who get to go to the game tonight. Had I not, A, been there Wednesday, B, not needed ceiling fans, um, I would be there tonight. Like, to me, this is one you have to be at. Like, get your ass to the baseball game if you have nothing better going on. Also, the Phillies have their doubleheader today, so we will know uh, the outcome of a lot of what happens with Philadelphia. Well, that half game will be decided at 12.05 today. But yes, Alcantara Burns, really high line. Holy shit. If we're talking betting lines, 190 against Sandy. Holy shit. That's almost so high that I like, I that to me seems like a trap. Like, but yeah, I mean, there he's been a little bit, he's his ERA on the road is 3.1. So it's not been as good. He his month of September, he's 334, two and two. He has allowed 15 runs. He's allowed the most runs that he's allowed this calendar year. So he had two really good starts, but they were against Washington. He blew up against Philly and Atlanta on the road earlier in this month. So which Sandy are we going to see? I mean, the guy is a strikeout machine. It would be very Brewers if they didn't take advantage today. The Phillies win both their doubleheaders and the Brewers beat Alcantara. I mean, they, they, they have to win out. At this point, it's run the table. You have to have two less losses than Philadelphia. So that's that's basically how we're going to go. And Philly's going to play an Astros team next week that has literally nothing to play for. That has absolutely not. Now they have talent. You know, it's baseball. Anything can happen. But the Astros are locked into the one seat. They have no worries right now. They are on easy street. I doubt you'll see Verlander pitch. I doubt you'll see uh, Framble, uh, Valdez pitch. Like, you just, you won't see their guys, which adds an area of that. And the Brewers will have to see Zach Gallon next week in Arizona. Gallon's been good, and he's been good. He was good against the Brewers. And obviously, the, you know, Diamondbacks were a thorn in our side. But before we get there, you have to take advantage. That's where, like, a grand slam like that, you had nine hits last night. Can't fucking happen. It just can't. It's an absolutely brutal loss for the Milwaukee Brewers. And you hope. Maybe tonight you can get it done. You also face Edward Cabrera on Saturday. Cabrera is not any schlub either. Uh, Cabrera is a very good pitcher, very young, young, talented pitcher. So don't sleep on the fact that Cabrera can't give him the business. And then Pablo Lopez on Sunday. Like, the Marlins have a good pitching staff. Like, last night was the one to at least get. Man, that's going to haunt me. It really is. Uh, So I hope... Hope we can figure it out. Hope that uh, any everything can can figure itself out, man. It's it's tough, and and we'll see. But yeah, it's it's definitely a swift swift kick in the dick. Um, and that's it's been the story of the Brewers, man, for really 
really the entire year. Um, it it's, that has been sort of the, the thing for Milwaukee this year is where every time you get excited, here comes somebody around ready to just dick punch you. And that's what happened yesterday. And so I hope that there's still, there's still a chance, but you, you just have to kind of have to embrace it day by day at this point and say, all right, where do we sit? This, the fact that the half game will be decided um, to this afternoon, we'll figure that one out. So if Philly wins that, then the Brewers are officially a game back. And if Philly loses that, the Brewers will be back to be tied. So we'll see. Uh, Patrick Corbin on the mound for one of those for, for the Nationals, and that's usually a scheduled loss. If Philadelphia somehow loses to Patrick Corbin, who they've owned this year, then things are really bad in Philadelphia. Uh, but we'll just have to we'll just have to carry the attitude this weekend, man, and we'll uh, see what happens. All right, I went kind of long. Um, I can do a little bit of free talk. Uh, the only thing I'll just say about the Tua stuff. Um, so Tua gets hurt yesterday. You all know. Um, felt like the overreaction was bad. I think it was an Olympics of like who can be the most outraged, and just everybody like left things out the door. Um, you had the Ari Melov guy, the My Sports Update dude, who was like, Tua went to the hospital, you know, he's conscious, but no word on his extremities. Bro, like, he's not paralyzed. Are you serious? Like, I was like, that is so fucking reckless. Josina Anderson was like, how is Tua released from the hospital? How the fuck do you think? They have a bunch of doctors who said he was okay to fly home. He's wearing a neck brace. X-rays were negative. It's good shit. That's things to be positive about. Tua had two concussions. You don't fucking know that. You have no idea. Chris Nowinski, who's made a killing off of just basically grifting on concussions, where he's like, everything, every eighth hit that I had is a fucking concussion. Shut the fuck up, dude. Like, I understand he's a doctor, but the guy has used his medical degree to basically make money off people who jump at every sort of concussion overreaction. It's not this simple science that every hit to the head is a concussion. I, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to be the guy that's like, I played 10 years of football, but I played 10 years of football. I never once had a concussion. Do I think that some of my short-term memory might be based off the fact that I have rammed my head into another person for 10 straight years? Yeah, maybe. I don't know that though. I've never got my brain examined. So I have zero idea if that played a part. I have one moment in my whole football career that I could say felt concussion-ish, but I didn't have a concussion. I didn't like, I, I, from what I've been told from friends of mine who've had concussions, you fucking know when you have a concussion. It's not like an if, and, or but. You know. And one of the bigger problems with the guys before we had protocols in place in the NFL were that they would just basically kind of just say, ah, fuck it. Uh, like Troy Palomalu, good example of that, where it would be like, I have a concussion, but I'm not going to tell you I have a concussion kind of thing. That was a lot of what happened in football before protocols were put in place. And the NFL also was like rubbed some dirt on it, things like that, or he's woozy. They wouldn't take him out of games. And look, if the Dolphins fucked up protocol, there's hell to be paid. There just is. There, there's no, there's no if ands or buts about that. I'm not denying that part of it. I think you, I think what people sometimes don't understand is they, they're outraged without knowing the whole thing. 
You know, it's kind of similar. It's different, but it's similar to like people who are like, well, why aren't we talking about, why are we talking about Brett Favre so much, or sorry, why are we talking about M.A. Udoka so much and not Brett Favre? That was a big thing last week. We're like, got to talk more about Brett Favre, M.A. Udoka. First of all, America loves a sex scandal. They just do, all right? Look at the fucking tablet. Look at Adam Levine. Look at Pam. Like, it's been that way for fucking ever, okay? That's number one. Number two, every, we've been talking about Favre and, and the Mississippi thing for two fucking years. You're just not paying attention. Just because it's not first take doesn't mean we're not talking about it. It's not a debatable topic. We all know he's a fucking scumbag, okay? Like, acknowledge that. We all know Tua had a concussion. What we don't know is, did he, did he have one on Sunday? We are all assuming he did. You can't do that. You just can't. Not with something like a concussion. You want to talk about how important it is to protect people's brains? Well, how about have some respect for them and not jump to conclusions? And I got more ranty and preachy than I wanted to, and I apologize for that. But I just think, let's fucking wait. If, in fact, the Dolphins violated protocols and Tua might have had a second concussion per an independent doctor, hell to fucking pay. There, there are people who should lose their job. There are suspensions and everything else. And I feel very bad for Tua. Now, I wonder if the Players Association will make a motion to potentially have something where if a guy goes into concussion protocol, he cannot play on Thursday. But did Tua ever enter concussion protocol? That's the, that's the question, right? We don't know. So anyways, I just think we, there will be outrage. We'll talk about it on Sunday, on the Sunday pregames. But at the end of the day, it'll go away once Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson take to the field because that's how we do it. We, we kind of forget about stuff pretty quickly um, in general, like everything. Everything gets forgotten. Like the Adoka thing, like hasn't been talked about all week, right? It went away. There you go. Now, will it, could it come up again? Sure. I just, I just want to know who's going to write that big story because I, I think there are people who don't want to piss off the Boston media. So we'll see. We'll definitely see see what happens there. We'll see where that nets out. Uh, any anything else? Not really. Uh, weather's been kind of bullshit. Uh, that hopefully everybody's doing okay though. I I've the least to complain about weather. Um, there are a lot of people going through real shit. So hopefully everybody has been okay. I don't know if we have any uh, Florida contingent listening, uh, but uh, prayers up to them. Hopefully everything's all right. Uh, I'm trying to think anything anything else going on in my life um no not really um I, I will say I I did like I so I moved I basically cleaned my old house yesterday and gotta say like the efficiency of being able to order food from like I ordered from good city uh, right down the block and went pick it up and I was like okay I'll get a six pack to go with it so I could have a beer with dinner it was great enjoyed it man was was happy as happy as a goddamn clam eating on the floor enjoying my chicken sandwich. So that was that was good. But yeah, I'm excited to get back into a routine next week. Like I said, we're going to be very good about getting you guys morning podcasts. I apologize uh, for my commute listeners. Um, you guys are going to have your podcasts in the morning. Um, I might do a story on that too, just to say this will be hopefully the last week of it. I can't promise you every day is going to be perfect, but I will be less and less at the, the old house pretty much is done. 
Um, from my side of things, my wife still has some things. So I will have more time to commit to this, to do more. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that because I think it's going to be really great. And I think we're going to have a really good October, really good November, and a really good December. And I hope we have a Brewers playoffs to talk about. And if we don't, it's okay. We'll have the Packers, we'll have the Badgers, and then the Bucks get going in late October. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good weekend. We will be back either Sunday, I hope Sunday early, early evening. We'll have more of an earlier pod so you guys can listen to what we talk about Packer-wise um, and do our usual Monday show. Uh, if not, you know, you'll, you'll at least get it ready for your Monday commute. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Bye.